Welcome back, Babelian listeners, to another very special episode of the Oscar preview series of 2022. I'll give you one minute to clap for us. Thank you so much for clapping. My name is Joshua Afriye. This is my co-host, Caleb J.A. Leonza. Hi, I am the co-host, and we've done a couple episodes together so far of this series, and... Yeah, let's uh, dive right into it. What awards did this movie get, and what is this movie that we just recently watched? We are discussing Coda today. Coda um, was released in 2021, I believe, August 13th of 2021. is nominated for three Oscars. Three Oscars, that's so crazy. Best Picture, of course, then Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Supporting Actor goes to Troy. Troy Kotzer. <laughs> I don't know if I said his last name right. But yeah, three, three, power, three pretty strong Oscar nominations. Um, I think all three are very well deserved. I enjoyed the movie thoroughly. Um, it was a, it was a, I've never quite seen anything like it. Um, it was a very good story. I think the strongest thing about that film was its story. What about you, Caleb? How do you feel? I agree. I agree. But I really enjoyed this. It was a, yeah, like you said, I never really watched anything like this. And I feel like there hasn't really been a movie like this due to having the main focus be a deaf family and having three out three out of the four family members being deaf. One of them was born not deaf. And... Quick side note, Titus looked this up while we were watching the movie with him, but it is more likely to have two deaf parents have a not deaf child comparatively to having another deaf child. And I found that really strange because it's like if you have like two of the same genes as parents, i.e. both being deaf, Mm -hmm. then you would think that like there is higher chance of that child being deaf as well. But there's actually a lower chance, which I found pretty That's interesting. Because yeah. um, like during the movie, I was like, how, how I feel like the probability of her being not deaf is pretty low. But yeah, it's reverse. Yeah. I was overhearing too. And you can kind of explain this a little bit more, but you're watching mm-hmm. an interview and or kind of getting the rundown or notes to take on. And, and they were saying that they were filming with kind of the sign language in mind and it's one of like the first like accurate depiction of a deaf family and they were i was like wow this movie you know has a lot of wide angles you don't really see a lot Mm -hmm. of close-up on their faces Mm -hmm. a lot i was like wow throughout the movie i didn't really know why that was um a thing or why they chose to shoot it like that way Mm -hmm. because i within movies you have a lot of close-up on the actors faces the characters faces but within this movie it was like medium close-up where you see from the chest up Mm -hmm. and it wasn't a close-up where it's just solely the face and it allowed to to see the sign language more um because that's very that's how they communicate and Mm -hmm. it's very hand-based and it's not solely with the mouth Mm -hmm. um and i actually kind of like the style of filming too in general um with 
the like aside from like the deaf perspective as well because Mm -hmm. it allows you to see more of the scene and i feel like you get a better understanding of the scenic around it and like Mm -hmm. the like scenic environment around it because i felt like we were in the room with them during the conversations where i feel like some movies kind of lack that when they have a lot of close-ups yeah that's a very good point i feel like yeah, it emphasized their location a lot more and their their surroundings, their immediate surroundings. And I think that just made it easier for you to put yourself in the environment, especially because I think a, a huge part of the story is where it takes place. It's this big, it's this like very small fishing town. Everybody's pretty, Every it seems like everybody knows each other. Um, and yeah, the, the location is a big part of the story. So I think, you know, the choice to use different kind of shots that showcase the environment a lot more, it was a really, it was a good choice. It was a good choice. Yeah, the director made lots of really good choices that I liked. I like how, especially at the end of the film, there's this one scene where Ruby is performing her solo for the first time and you know her family is deaf and they're sitting there watching them and they obviously can't hear like her performance and the director chose to drown out all the sound so you could really put yourself in the perspective of the deaf family and that really hadn't happened up until that point there was the one scene with the brother in the bar but up until that point you're really in ruby's shoes throughout the entire story so when we get this really subjective moment where we're in the in the place of the deaf family, it's really it's jarring because you really spent so much time investing in this world that has so much sound and so much life, and that's taken away from you. And you really, you really feel the 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 struggle of this family to connect with Ruby because there is that that wall between them, right? She's in a different world than they are. And so they have to, I see, like, you see them looking around to see everybody else's faces, to see, like, how is everyone else reacting to this? It's a really powerful character moment. And they already spent so much time, like, getting us so invested in the family and getting us to care about Ruby and the family that it was a good moment and a good choice at the right time. I agree. And I... Like, you brought up a good point, too, and it kind of got me thinking, like, throughout the performance, you kind of have the thought process, or at least I did, kind of, that they were being, like, a little bit rude, like, oh, like, what are we going to have for dinner? Mm -hmm. Not really, like, in some moments, not really, like, fully having their full attention onto the performance, Mm -hmm. and I was, like kind of mixed feelings, because it's, like, they can't, they obviously can't hear it, it's not them being rude, it's Mm -hmm. just, like they can't they literally can't yeah Yeah. they literally can't like hear it and i think it was just like a misunderstanding or of me not being able to be put in their shoes because i don't like we don't know what it's like being deaf we Mm. hear all like we hear a lot of things Mm -hmm. and within that moment it made it a completely silence and it's like oh wow okay this is we were put into their environment and kind of understand their perspective Mm -hmm. a lot more Obviously, we can't fully, like, understand their perspective because, like, we can still hear things. And mm-hmm. within, like, even when we're in a silent room, we're still hearing things. Like, if 
right we're by ourselves with whether that's car noises outside noises or the hum mm-hmm. of like an air conditioning birds chirping etc cetera, etc cetera. there's small finite environmental sounds that we always hear so we're not completely in silence mm-hmm. and that kind of put us in the environment where it's completely silence like they don't hear everything and they have to rely on other people's reactions yeah to see if it's good or like if it's a, if their child is performing good or not because right. like they have no idea if their child is actually doing well and right. it was just re- a very good point in time yeah yeah and to to uh summarize what koto is about for <laughs> those who haven't seen this movie which is like yeah. why are you yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should be what don't watch the movie yeah watch <laughs> the movie. but basically koto is about you know this deaf family and it's four people the parents mother and father the brother and then the sister the entire family is deaf except for the daughter mm-hmm. <laughs> except for the daughter yeah. she's the only one who can hear so the story it's based on it got nominated for adapted screenplay because it's based on a different film, this French film that was made like a couple, couple years ago. I don't know when, but that film got placed under fire because I think the the their casting choices they didn't choose to cast um, deaf actors, which Coda actually took the time and the work to actually do, and it comes through in the film a lot, and. I keep saying the story is so powerful and I think one of the reasons it's so powerful is because the director who wrote the screenplay, I think she did a very good job of surrounding herself with people who came from the community and who could really speak to the experiences that Ruby was feeling, that the entire deaf family was feeling, so that they were really telling an authentic story. And an authentic story is so, so powerful. And I think Coda is such a good reminder of, of the power of storytelling and a good story. I think we're seeing a sw- like a kind of a change within our... How kind of films are filmed in the last couple of years, especially this year, because I feel like mm-hmm. this really emphasized the environment and have been the focus of kind of telling like a biopic this wasn't really a biopic but Mm -hmm. this kind of reminded me of when we were talking about how with a king richard um episode kind of putting in place of like african-american people and i Mm -hmm. um and we were both agreeing how it represented kind of how african-americans like grew up Mm -hmm. really well and mm. we kind of seen this that element within this movie mm. using like actual deaf people instead of just hiring non-deaf people right and i feel right. like this shift within like hollywood and kind of these independent um companies too because like this was produced by a- apple mm. and with netflix as well like those are like their separate productions mm-hmm. I mean, they're probably filmed within Hollywood, but it, we're seeing more production companies, which means that we get more different aspects and different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And I really like this shift because it makes for a lot better, a lot, a lot better storytelling, a lot better movie, because you can actually get like in growth within the story. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many like just powerful moments like. Oof, like there is this one scene where Ruby and her father, after her um 
after a performance, like the father kind of hangs back for a second and they're sitting on the pickup truck and the father like, because obviously he can't hear Ruby singing. So he takes a moment to just feel her and feel her sing and what the vibrations feel like. And I literally teared up. I started mm-hmm. crying at that moment because it, it's just like, and I, I love, I love. I love the way the story is told and the lack of dialogue because body language is our main form of communication. I think when you break it down, it's like body language is 60% of all communication, which you don't really realize because we're so focused on hearing each other all the time. But with Coda, it's like, wow, like I can't imagine taking that screenplay and, and, having it translated with such physicality and feeling it's like i i i'm like watching these characters interact with each other on screen and there's no dialogue but it feels i can feel it more almost because i feel i see i i the characters are so expressive and the actors are so expressive in the way they're communicating things and so that makes the story stronger. It just made the story so much stronger because you could you could really, I think it was a great way to connect the audience with the characters and the world, honestly. I agree. And we're forced to focus on body language too. Exactly like what you said, mm-hmm. we're always focused on what people are saying. But within mm-hmm. this movie, I kind of, that's why like we're able to connect with them um because you said 60 percent of like Mm -hmm. our how we communicate is through our body language and if over half of it is our body language then we can connect to that a lot more and i Mm -hmm. they did a really really good job with that i never thought of that perspective until you brought it up because i'm like now that i'm thinking about it i'm like well like there is a lot of how we communicate is through body language and it's just kind of weird to think about it that way Mm -hmm. and then also too i wanted to bring up the sound design as well Mm. because i thought the sound sound design was really really good Mm. and this was kind of nostalgic because when i was growing up i lived in the woods i didn't live near an ocean and i didn't have this i i had like my life comparatively to how they lived right with like having to go out fishing and that as 3 a.m in the morning 3 a.m bye (laughs) you can miss me with that (laughs) i can't wake up for work at 8 a.m so (laughs) i'm up until 3 (laughs) a.m but kind of like what i'm getting at is more of how they were outside and kind of how you can hear the crickets Mm. you kind of have the feeling of they're outside it's a small town Mm because i grew up in like a small town town townish area where it's kind of like you walk outside and it's just nature. Mm-hmm. And when they walk outside of their house, it's just nature. You know, mm-hmm. they have obviously like boats and houses and stuff. But like when they go out, it's like the ocean or mm-hmm. it's like some woods surrounding them. Mm-hmm. And that kind of made me really feel of like when I was like a little kid, like going around my neighborhood at nighttime mm-hmm. and just hearing the crickets and stuff and just having the um, moonlight. Like as the only light source, and mm-hmm. that that I think the sound and design did a really good job of placing us within the film as well, along with how they filmed it. Like we said earlier as well. Yeah, absolutely. Even just 
helping us experience Ruby subjectively, like through the lens of her character. I think the sound design, the sound, the songs they pick, the soundtrack they pick, the songs they had like her sing and the choir singing, like it was all just, it was like slightly unexpected because I wasn't expecting a lot of the music that I was hearing in the film, but it was, it was very warm. It was very nostalgic. And I think the, the general tone of this film, it's so family oriented that the music kind of fits and even the choice to like, you know, have it, it's like, it's such a refreshing take on coming of age and, you know, the typical like small town girl trope who has like some hidden talent. She wants to like follow her own path and carve out her own <laughs> dreams. It's, it's a very refreshing take on the genre that does such a good job of illuminating the experiences of a community that I don't think we get to see a lot on on screen at all. I did a paper my sophomore year. Actually, I don't really remember like anything I wrote <laughs> in that paper, not gonna lie. But I did, I did, I do I did a paper on the representation of disabled characters in in film and media. And there's not there's not a lot. There's not a lot of mainstream characters, and there's not a lot of good representation as a whole so i think when you know a non a non-disabled director taking on a project like this and creating a product that was coda is just like people need to like learn from that that's such a great example of what you can do as somebody who doesn't belong to the community to still tell a good authentic story about people that you respect and people that you admire and people that need their stories put in the mainstream and props to the Oscar committee for nominating this. I agree. <laughs> I a hundred percent agree. And <laughs> that just reminded me of like, even when disabled people are represented within movies, mm. more than likely they're not actually disabled like Glee yeah, the that, actor. Yeah, the actor that's like themselves, <laughs> like with the I don't know his name. What's his name? The in, in Glee, Artie. 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 <laughs> like he's not, he's not like actually disabled, and yeah. it's like you're without being having that disability, then it misses a lot of understanding because mm. the actor doesn't understand what it's like to be disabled, mm. and if once you get an actor who is actually disabled, that you're trying or have the disability that you're trying to represent mm -hmm. then the actor can actually like it it takes away the element of acting the disability you know because yeah, they don't have yeah. to act the disability because exactly. they have the disability right and i it takes the, that element of acting away mm. and again like there are really good actors but it, it just it makes it more personal and more real where you don't have to act that part you can focus on acting the dialogue with the interactions and mm. stuff because like you're actually being that person within the film like you don't have to right act do that extra step yeah and it makes it more real too and with the family aspect as well they did a like i agree with you there as well because they did a really good job of making it family oriented mm. like i felt like i was within their family mm. and they made it so that it's more realistic i felt mm. i'm trying to think of ways they kind of 
implemented that but it's mm. just like i felt like that was actually how a family like that's actually how their family interacted even mm. though they're not related at all like they're right. not actually a family but if that they were family right i imagine that's how they would actually interact with themselves on a day-to-day basis where we have some other films where you don't really see that you don't mm. really see a family act together there's mm. some element of like fakeness or this like this family's not actually real you know yeah yeah and there's always that element to when or at least to me when i'm watching film like there's always that element of like all right like these these people aren't actually family and they're acting and yeah i think they did a really good job of placing that into it it reminds me of shameless as well Mm. how the the actors portrayed that family as the Mm. gallagher's because they i feel like i was put in the place and that's actually how that family is i would imagine how that actually that family would actually interact with themselves and they did a good job with that within this film too yeah absolutely yeah i think family is a it's a great way to get anyone invested in a story because we all know or we all have experienced family to some degree and it's a good angle to sort of get the audience invested and make a great story out of it yeah i agree and ruby that uh, that actress i love that actress and i mm. wanted to see her in more things because i just randomly one day like a couple of years ago i started like the lock and key series mm. i think i don't know if that's that's the name of it i've that, seen it yeah. on netflix yeah but yeah. she like acted really well within that series mm. and i love that series i'm like i need to see more of this actress mm. and i was for like the first few minutes i was like wait is that her but then i was like oh yeah that's obviously her but she's a really good actor and she played that role really Mm -hmm. well yeah i love when you like are watching something you can't tell the actor is who you think it is and you're like do i google do i not google no but Gladia said this to me one time and i i still i think it's so true like acting I think it does have to come from a a truthful place. And a lot of times that comes from your own experiences. And so when when you're casting people who don't know the perspective, it's a choice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know if that's the best choice in terms of like relaying an authentic character and delivering an authentic performance. But... The director didn't choose to do that here, and that was great. That was good. That was a good thing to do. Yeah. You, he wouldn't have guessed that a deaf actor could play a deaf person within a film good. I I, I never would have guessed yeah. before this movie, yeah, honestly. Like, honestly, this, <laughs> this movie opened my eyes. I'm like, wow. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> deaf, deaf actors playing deaf characters is a good move. I'm like, wow. That's... Like, oof. We are walking such a thin comedic line right now. <laughs> yes, I, I think I think we did a good job. Yes, we did. <laughs> Let's uh, pat ourselves on yes. the back for not. Yeah, because we kept it very sar- sarcastic. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Did you say sarcastic? <laughs> not even a word. Yes, it yeah. is now. <laughs> I I have no more thoughts yeah. on this film. Other than that, it was great. 
<laughs> I agree. And final, final thought. I was saying this to you before, but I swear to God, if Apple becomes a fucking film company, that's going to be the death of me. Apple already runs our lives, but if they freaking make a film uh, company that makes actually good films like this one, I will be very, very mad. And I will refuse to watch any Apple movie other than this one. That's all I have to say. Listen, I ain't getting that Apple TV <laughs> subscription unless it's free, okay? <laughs> so, Netflix, HBO Max is $15 a month. I guarantee you, in the next two years, Netflix will be $20 a month. They it's, just it's keep jacking up. It's already 20 It's already 20 They just jacked it up like a couple weeks ago. Well, you probably have like the big family plan. Don't you? Because I just have the one with me and my sister. But I don't think that's at 20 yet. It's at like 15. Are you paying for it? No, my sister's paying for it. (laughs) (laughs) But I pay for HBO Max, so we like trade it and cuts even. I'm pretty sure it's 20 now. (laughs) I don't know. Well, it'll be 30 (laughs) in 2023. So we going to hell, y'all. We all... (laughs) it's going down it's all downhill from it's down we're it's basically cable at this point but better yeah i guess we can end it here this is true bye guys bye bye share this video with all of your friends and your family and and your loved ones and and even the people you don't love go go out in the street and and show them this video and tell them babelian studios is the next big thing you're you're gonna regret not 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 following us from the very beginning, cause one day we're gonna be big, and and you're gonna be like, I wish I followed Babelian Studios when they had a hundred and twenty-two followers on Instagram, and not when they have five hundred thousand followers on Instagram, and and they produced 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 an Oscar-nominated film made by my by by somebody from Babelian, any of us or all of us maybe. It's going to be a big hit. And so is this, this, this studio company. So buckle in and, and strap your seats because this is going to be a wild, wild ride down, down, like the West. Yes. Like the wild, wild West. It's going to be like the new frontier, baby. But it's going to be the film industry. And, and we're going to be like uh, uh, Ringo, Ringo Kid in, in that one movie, Stagecoach. If you've ever seen it, we're going to be like that guy. And we're just going to get out there and and discover discover new things about the film industry and and pave all sorts of roads and find things in the desert like new film techniques and inclusive casting and I'm going to do this until it stops. I'm going to do this until we hit the 30 minute mark. You think I'm joking? I'm not. We're going to explore the wild rest. We're going to be like 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 those two people who who explored the river. That one river, um, uh, they went on a, a an expedition, and they they found stuff. We're gonna be like those people, or the, the Louisiana Gold Rush. We're gonna be like those people, except we're gonna get there first, and we're gonna be like, hey guys, here's all the gold. Come here, then everybody's gonna come, and everybody's gonna be like, wow, thanks for telling us where this gold was. I wish we had listened to you when you had 122 followers on Instagram and not when you have 500,000 followers on Instagram. Did I say 500,000? I meant 1 million. Did I say 1 million? I meant 2 million. We're going to be the next A24, baby. Just you wait. A24 is going to be like, Babelian, 
you you should just become our parent company. We're going to buy A24. And then we're going to buy Paramount and MGMT and Warner Bros and 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 Lionsgate and 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 Marvel Marvel Studios are going to buy that too. We're going to buy Disney. We're going to be the next big monopoly except we're going to be a legal monopoly that that nobody can stop because the government doesn't care about uh 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 antitrust laws and 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 stopping companies from becoming big monopolies. That's why we have stuff like Amazon and and Disney. They own so much stuff. They own so much stuff. They literally control our lives. I bet the Amazon Alexa and then the two rooms down is, is listening to everything I'm saying. And I'm probably going to get an ad for, for a Warner Bros. movie, like The Batman, which we got free tickets to thanks to our, our roommate Titus, who is the co-founder of Abelian. <sighs> hey, Alexa. Damn it. That one died. That, that, that didn't been, work. That would have been a funny joke. It was a terrible joke. Caleb's not funny. Please remind him anytime you see him, Caleb is not funny. How much how much time do I have? Six seconds. Uh, uh.